a wise man and my best friend once said, every single day, consider one thing that you absolutely hate and do it. What? Find something that you dislike very much and be sure and do it. Do you like to wait in interminably long lines? <sighs> Get in the longest line at the supermarket or at the wherever because you hate it. Yeah. Oh, honestly, Brent, that's brilliant. I hate cold showers. Go take one cold shower and then what are you appreciative of? So much more. Oh. Oh. So I love that because what it does is it reminds us how blessed we are when we find one thing that we really don't like. I don't like to miss a meal uh, between breakfast and dinner. I, I just don't want to miss lunch. Miss lunch one day. Why? Why would I do that? Because it teaches us to value the things that are given to us and to be grateful. So the other day we left off on remember both the Hebrew and the Egyptian texts use the same language. And it almost seems like the Hebrew text, which was written, written later than the Egyptian creation account, it almost seems like the Hebrew text is borrowing language and imagery from the Egyptian one. Now we talked a little bit about that. Why, why would it do that? It almost seems like God wants them to be familiar with something. Almost like they're familiar with this Egyptian creation account. And God says, well, I know how you know it went like this. Well, let me tell you how it really went. Oh, there was creation by thought. And there was creation by manipulation. But not like you think. Remember, it was relatively easy for God to take Israel out of Egypt. But what was really hard? To take Egypt out of Israel. Absolutely. And so I think what we maybe have here is, and not all scholars agree, but some now agree, that the two contradictory accounts in Genesis were written not to tell us how or even when the earth was created, but more as a direct frontal attack on all the gods of Egypt. If you have your Bible, you should turn to Exodus 12, 12. What I never realized is that Exodus, which tells the story of what? Yeah, Exodus tells the story of the Exodus. I know, it's crazy. The Israelites leaving Egypt. But how much Exodus has to say about Genesis. And how much Genesis has to point back to Exodus. So Exodus 12 and verse 12. This is God speaking to Moses. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am Yahweh. God is at war with all the gods of Egypt. 
That's what he's wanting to do is execute his judgments on all the gods of Egypt. I wonder why God has it in for all those fake gods that all the Egyptians worship. Well, consider this, y'all. God's creation of light on day one, before the luminaries, on day four, is a direct attack against Atum Ra, full name Ra, the sun god. See, God doesn't even have to name the sun and the moon. He calls them the bigger and the smaller lights, which is amazing. Notice that God first creates the spaces and then he fills them. Let's look at the 10 plagues for a bit to see how God is doing this in the minds of his people. What was the very first plague? Thank you. The Nile turned to blood. Now let me ask you a question. Did it really turn to blood? Was it made up of platelets and red blood cells and very, um, I don't know, had some iron, maybe a metallic taste to it, thick? It, it was coagulating at places where it wasn't free-flowing. These are the questions. Is the Bible true or is it not true? Is the Bible metaphor or is it literal? Well, I think it's literal, but I don't think it literally turned into blood. And here's how I know. What do they call a moon at some places in the Bible that turns red? They call it a blood moon. Yeah. In fact, John and, and, and Hosea are writing and talking about, um, I saw thick smoke and the, the sun was veiled and the moon had turned to blood. Are we to believe that what Neil Armstrong landed on in 1969 was a giant blob of blood? The moon turned to blood. No, it means it turned red. So something happened to the Nile. I think it turned red and they called it blood. The Nile turned to blood. What's really cool is when Moses gave his nod to Aaron and Aaron took his staff and he went over to the Nile and went, wham, and he hit the top of the water. Slowly but surely, all of the water in the Nile turned red. Now, if I'm an Egyptian and I worship the Nile god, Hapi, who is the god of fertility, what have I just done? What has Moses just done? Not just taking away his power. Remember, the, the Nile's bleeding to death. Oh. He just killed Hapi. God just executed his judgment on Hapi, the god of the Nile. Let's see how well he does against my god, Moses says. Watch this. He takes a stick, hits the water, and Hapi bleeds to death. God won, Egypt zero. What's the next plague? You need to get your Bibles out and, and open it up and look. It's not flies. Did you know that there was 
By the way, do you know that the Nile supplies nearly everything that you need in your life? It supplies the water you drink, the water you use to bathe with, the water you use to wash with, the water you use to grow your crops with, that you use to cook with. The Nile is one of the most important gods in the Egyptian pantheon. And God says, watch this. I don't even have to do it. I'm going to use a human servant of mine. And he's going to get a stick this big. And he's going to go, boink. And he's going to kill him. Oh my goodness. So once Hapi's dead, what happens? Hecht, the next god, that is a god with a frog's head. You can look this up in Egyptian mythology, Egyptian theology. And what do frogs do if you put a male and a female frog in a drawer and you come back in a week? Yeah, many frogs, right? We do the same. Our, our animal of choice for talking about fertility is rabbits. Those two rabbits were just, they multiplied like rabbits. That just means all the rabbits were sitting in the room with the calculator. Two plus four is eight, nine, six, 16. They multiplied like rabbits, right? No, we mean they had lots and lots and lots and lots of babies. That's what the Egyptians thought, the frogs. So if I couldn't have a child, who would I pray to? I'd pray to Hecht. And Hecht, the god of fertility, would answer my prayer. Wait, wait. I thought Hecht was the god of fertility. He is the god of fertility of the water. There's a God for everything. I'm sorry, I didn't. There's a God of water. There's a God of crops. There's a God of animals, health. There's a God of healing and medicine for humans. There's a God of healing and medicine for animals. There are so many gods, you couldn't, you couldn't even count them all. God is the God that you would pray to if you wanted to have, or birth. Like fertility of crops, fertility of life, um, water, Everything that water does, that, that water gives life to, that would be happy. That would be the Nile. But if I want to have a baby, me and my husband, right? Or me and my wife want to have a baby. Well, I don't necessarily pray to the Nile, although I, I could. And the truth is, I don't know which of the gods. I just know these are gods in Egypt. But Fra, uh, Hecht was one of the fertility gods. Look, notice what God does. Our God does to Hecht. When the, when the staff gets gets brought down again. He overdoses Hecht. He says, oh, are you the God that controls fertility and population? Well, here, try to stop this. And all these frogs multiply. And what do the people do the minute the frogs start coming up out of the Nile and invading their homes? Who do the people pray to? They pray to Hecht and say, please stop. Too much, too many frogs, too much fertility. And Hecht says, I can't stop. It's not me. I can't control this. And Aaron says, Hecht can't do anything. He's powerless against my God. We can't even see your God. I know. Isn't that cool? And Moses says, God to Egypt zero. And I'm in Israel. I mean, I'm an Egyptian. I've just prayed to the Nile God and nothing happened. Maybe I'm going to give a second thought to whether or not this God is the true God. And I just prayed to Hecht. Nothing happened. In fact, the opposite happened. They kept having more and more and more until Moses says, do you want it to stop? And Pharaoh says, please make it stop. And Moses says, uh, stop right now. Boom, and it stops. And every frog dies. Who's got the stronger God? Moses does. All the Egyptians are watching this. Oh my gosh. Forget hacked. 
He's a chump. What's your God's name again? What's the third plague? Gnats. It, 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 it's the same word. They don't know if the word should be gnats or lice. They were both, it was either a similar word for both or they looked enough the same. Did you ever see the movie, The Mummy with Brendan Fraser? The original The Mummy from like 2000? You did, I've, we've seen it together. Um, it's funny. Um, okay. There's a beetle god in that movie, Kefir. Kefir is the god of insects. Now, if I'm Egyptian, I'm going to pray to the god of insects because insects are important in an agricultural society. This is the one that the Egyptian magic magicians said, we can't, <laughs> we can't imitate this one. I don't know what's going on here. So as the people begin to pray to Kefir, please stop. Too, much, too many swarms. Kefir, please don't send locusts on us. Please don't send uh, plant-eating insects on us. I need a crop this year that's healthy, so please control the population of these insects. And I make my sacrifices, and every year Kefir's been good to me. But right now there are flies over the entire face of Egypt. So much so, you, they're in your eyes. They're in, your, they're in your mucosa. They're in your nasal passages, these, these gnats. You've all walked into a swarm, a cloud of little tiny gnats in Texas, or you're just walking and it's like, <coughs> oh, gross, right? Imagine every time you breathe, <sighs> it's choking down bugs. Who do you pray to? Kefir, please make it stop. And Kefir says, I can't, I can't. And Moses says, when do you want it to stop? Now, please, please entreat your God. Make him stop it. And Moses says, and now, and it stops. Who's God's the stronger God? Forget Kefir, that guy's a chump. And this is in the mind of the Egyptians as well as the Israelites. Fourth, fl fourth plague, sorry, fifth plague. No, fourth one. Flies. It's just one, two, three. So, gnats might have been smaller insects, whereas flies may have been larger insects. I don't really know. So flies, pff, powerless. Kefir is really dead. He had, he had a chance with gnats, didn't do it. Then when flies came over, everywhere in the country, except in Goshen, where the Israelites lived, now they knew their God made a distinction between them and the Egyptians. Their God makes a distinction between them and all the rest of the world. They didn't have one fly in Goshen and we're covered with it. It's in our clothes, our eyes, our armpits, our bath, our food. There's flies everywhere. Everything's dead and stinking. You have millions of frog corpses, frog carcasses rotting. Millions, literally hundreds of millions rotting. What is that going to produce? A bunch of flies. Do you, can you imagine how loud Egypt was at this time? Just with the buzzing of the flies. Fifth plague. Plague on livestock. This is Hathor. This is the god Hathor. Hathor 
was a sacred cow goddess because you had to make your sacrifices to the gods so your cattle would be healthy, they would give milk, they would birth their calves, they would be healthy. You've got to make your sacrifice to Hathor. That's the cow goddess. And then I think it's uh, Hapis. Yes, Apis. Apis is the bull god. You got female and you got male. And I am begging. I am cutting myself with knives and rocks. I'm giving my own blood on the altar of Hathor and Apis. I'm ready to sacrifice my own kid. It's just, but all of my livestock, which by the way, what does my livestock represent to me? That's my bank account. All of my money is dying before my eyes. You can bet I'm going to get on my knees and start praying to these two. And does it help one cow stay alive? Moses says, you want your cattle back? <laughs> now. And it happens. And the Egyptians go, this is the fifth god they have just knocked over. See, it was funny because I always thought, why these plagues? If he's God, why not this cave monster that's slimy and slithery and rips his own head off and pulls lava out of his own body and throws it at you. I mean, something a little cooler than flies, gnats, boils. Why these plagues? And then it dawned on me. God is executing his judgments on all the gods of Egypt. How better to do that than to kill the God over, what, over which he represents that thing, that physical thing that you can see. So when all my cattle die, I lose my faith in Apis and Hathor. They didn't do anything. And then I got boils, my mom got boils, my entire family had boils. You don't even know what a boil is until you've seen a picture of a third world country where people get boils. You think boils is just like a, a blister? Oh, it's raw, open flesh, sometimes exposed to the bone. Like the flesh-eating disease, boils can be, and the most painful exposed nerve endings horrible, horrid, horrid, covering entire huge patches of your skin, chest, back. We'll see a, a video and you'll see people that have, it's quick and it's like a, it's like an airplane flyover, um, people with boils. And it's just like, oh, well, again, in that movie with Brendan Fraser, Emotep, Emotep, Emotep was the God of medicine. It's the God of healing. When I break my arm, my, my son falls and scrapes his knee and he's bleeding. I pray to Hemotep, please heal my son. Well, guess what? When I prayed to Hemotep about my boils and all the boils in my family and everybody in Egypt was suffering from boils and Hemotep, it wasn't getting any better. It was getting worse. The more I pray to Hemotep, the worse it got. Until Moses said, Pharaoh, when do you want me, when do you want me to make it stop? Now, please, yesterday, five minutes ago, please make it stop. And Moses says, okay, how about now? And people go, oh, oh, and maybe they just fell off like scales. Are you going to pray to Emotep ever again? No way. Why? He didn't do anything. It was only Moses, God, that did this. 
Oh, this is really cool. What's the seventh plague? Hail and... Where does hail come from? When does hail come? Okay, good. Has to come in a storm. Hail comes in, in storms. So thunder, lightning, hail. And if you read the text, that hail was special hail. Because what did it have in it? <sighs> so you've never read these plagues. You only heard about them in school and sang your little songs about them. I feel like I know nothing. <laughs> I know. Yes. Okay, but why call it fire? Why, why do some movies have fire? You should write down. You should write down in your notes, look up the hail that fell in the plagues of Egypt. It's special hail, guys. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but kind of like the fig tree that Zacchaeus climbed up, it sort of changes the story when you know what a fig tree is. Go look up the hail from the plagues. It's not your ordinary hail. And I don't think the Bible made a mistake. Scholars and scientists for centuries have said it impossible. There's no way. Made a mistake there. That's, that's, that's scientifically impossible. And then they discovered that it's not. <laughs> and they were like, what? Okay. Mm, no, it's what's inside the hail. It does say in the Bible. It just may not say it exactly at that passage. It may be in another passage referring back to it. But what's the problem with this hail is this hail has fire in it. This hail. Okay, there it is. It's in 23. 23. There's fire inside of the hail. Yeah, but think about what, how can you have fire inside of frozen ice? Like, come on. It's God, you can, right? So here's the problem, and this is where I think Hebrew Roots is really going to take our faith, which is, remember, faith is not, gee, I hope it's true. I don't have any proof. Faith is, I know exactly A, B, C, D. I'm missing E, but I have F, G, H, I. I'm missing E. Faith fills in the gap between D and F. That's what faith does. I've got all this proof. I just have one gap here. So this is going to take your faith to a different level. Either God is a magician, he can snap his fingers and make happen whatever he wants to happen, even if it defies logic and reason and reality, or God makes happen what he, what he wants to happen, but he uses his own laws, his own nature to accomplish those things. If that's the case, I'd like to know how he did it. Because if God can make a flying spaghetti monster or a lava slime monster that pulls off his own head and throws lava at you. That's great. But is there any basis in reality for that? No, not at all. Is there any basis in reality for fire existing inside of hail? He said, well, no, not at all. It's fire. Uh, 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 uh. Don't be so quick. Yes, there is a scientific basis for fire existing inside of hail. And it's happened throughout the centuries in very, very rare occasions. We're talking like fossilization rare occasions, but it's happened. And we'll see a whole movie dedicated to explaining the plagues that God was still miraculously behind them, but he used nature to accomplish it. What happens when 
a water source becomes unlivable, what's the first thing that dies? In the river. All the fish die. Where do they go? They float to the top. What gets the heck out of there as soon as it can? That can? The frogs, they're amphibians. They can live in water or on land. So they, they come up out of the water. As the frogs start to die, what do they attract? Bugs. As the bugs are everywhere and start to get into and contaminate the food supplies and the animals are eating the contaminated food supplies, what's happening to the animals? They're getting sick. They're dying. And then what happens to the people when all these diseases become airborne? They get boils. They get sick. Do you see how God uses this chain reaction of natural events? But it's still Moses going now. And it happens. So cool.